everybody, I'm Mike Levy and welcome back to another Pink Bike Podcast. This one is our first for 2023 and that means that we're here to make some predictions, maybe guesses is a better word, about the coming year. And there's a lot that's been changing over the previous 12 months that's going to make it really interesting in the coming 12 months. Uh, like this EWS World Cup thing, what the heck is that going to look like? How might it be better or worse than the EWS was before? Which I think it's called the E E D R now. Is that correct, anyway? E D R. Boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats and boots. That's E D R, right? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably an entire episode in itself. But today we're going to talk about some other stuff as well, like new tech in bikes that we expect to see, what the supply chain and bike pricing might look like in the coming twelve months, and also some other predictions that may or may not sound completely stupid a year from now. Uh, and to do that, I've got Matt Beer, Henry Quinney, and Brian Park. Brian Park, have you ever had your palm read? No. No. Have you ever <laughs> Have you ever gone to see a psychic or done anything like that? No. No. Oh. Do you think that yes, people I'm really, can see the? I'm so really you're going to say people can't see with. the future? <laughs> yeah. No. Not so much. <laughs> If you could go back in time and see the future, would you ask me those questions again? Uh, no, I'd probably ask you something different, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about yourself, Henry? Do you think that there's anything to people seeing the future? Well, I once had my palm read, and it said that around the age of 29, I was going to come across one of the biggest obstacles of my life in the form of the most incredibly irritating man in the universe. And that's about the time I met you, looking back, Levy, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't go in for that sort of stuff. I mean, I think a lot of the time, whether it's palm reading or tarot cards, it's maybe not that it's about being correctly predicting the future, but rather just making you more aware and sensitive to the world around you, which could perhaps be a good idea. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I would what agree a with nuanced that. take from Henry Quinney over here. Jeez. Oh, yeah. Too early for that today. Oh, I shit. know, right? No, I think. Um, but like horoscopes are quite in right now. I think. I think horoscopes have a re- resurgence. Oh yeah, the horror. I've always found quite. I mean, they're really vague, you know. And also, I always find it really frustrating when people say, "What? What horoscope? Or sorry, what? You know, what are you? What sign are you?" And it's like, no, 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 no. You know me. You tell me what sign I am. That's the whole point. <laughs> like, and then, oh, of course, Aries. I knew it. Such a no. You knew it when you saw my birth certificate. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm a pretty uh, open-minded guy. I believe lots of crazy shit, but man, I have a hard time with the horoscopes and the astro signs and stuff. What about what about you, Matt? First of all, Matt, what sign are you? And does it match your personality? I'm a Libra, and I guess it kind of does, but like Henry said, they're all so vague. You can pick out things in each one of them that would is align with a you. Libra, is it Libra? That's the sort that you know, breathes and eats sort of organic matter to survive, right? I think that's that's the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Today's, today's, Surprise. Um, today's Libra reading is that the moon enters Cancer, which can bring your focus to your career. The sun oh, in Capricorn connects with Uranus in Taurus, and you could be making a big change in your personal life. You may suddenly feel ready to let go of the past in some significant way. Whoa. Oh, wow. That's, that could be when I was of us, younger. I guess. 
<laughs> when I was younger, I used to play like, I don't know, I was like 10 years old playing that computer game, like The Sims. And it said my person, like character that I was honestly, I would dedicate my whole life to it was like the summer holidays, like 12 hours a day playing this game. And I noticed that their sign was cancer, which I didn't realize was a sign. I thought it was saying that my character had cancer. And I was distraught. <laughs> I was just like, oh my, how do I, ah, this game's too real. <laughs> Brian, what, what does it say for Leo? I'm curious. Oh, let me go here. Leo. <clears throat> The moon enters Cancer, encouraging you to slow down and rest. The oh, sun yes. Ca- I yeah. need a rest, Brian. Take a note <laughs> yeah, of that. Yeah, I know. You've been working so hard over the month of December. <laughs> over the um, year of 2022. <laughs> <laughs> the sun in Capricorn connects with Uranus in Taurus, inspiring productivity and creative solutions to everyday problems. Oh, there we go. Shit, boys. Yeah. Today's I bet the, the listeners right now are just pumped on our on our horoscope podcast. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the SEO says horoscopes are in. Let's yeah. go. All right. You know what else we should do, though? Let's move on to questions. And usually these are tech questions, and I always fire them at Kaz. These ones are a little different, though. And the, and the first one is actually a comment. It's for Brian Park. This was underneath our last podcast, and it's from uh, PB user Hoffman. He says... He says a lot of the enjoyment from the podcast comes from the opinions and thoughts and to keep it up. Brian, that's a great idea, isn't it? Henry and Mike do like a multi-day ride. Yeah. I'm glad I have you here at this time, Brian. Yeah, put it It's almost like you planned this. <laughs> it's almost like this I'm ambush. trapping you. <laughs> uh, I would like to give the readers some context that um, Levy and Henry have proposed a ride that is officially called, uh, what, Crotchwatch 3000? The Crotch Watch 23, yeah. Me and Levy, we ride gravel bikes every day, and then we just discuss our crotches afterwards for like half an hour. Yeah, yeah. And this is like, Henry put a lot of work into this proposal. Um, (laughs) It took me, it took me like 30 seconds to press delete. Um, It was incredible. I was so proud of myself. Wow. You're doing great, Henry. You're doing great. Can you you summarize the proposal there, Brian? Just for Hoffman? Um, the proposal says it has a lot of buzzwords about cross-pollinating and synergizing our media landscape ecosystem by expanding the headwind fucking and the, uh, (laughs) hold on. There's other words here. Um, return on investment. It says something about return on investment. Return on investment. That's an important thing. Yeah, that was a good Good one. Good ROI. Yeah, there's really good ROI. Um, what else? There's some other really yeah. good words in here. Uh, bike thought, checks and social media. I thought um, ROI was someone in a Scottish accent questioning something like R O I. Like that's what I thought it was. Yeah, this is this is something special. Maybe we should. Yeah, we should probably publish this as a pit as as just like the pitch it's better i think we should just screenshot it screenshot the email and put it under this podcast Uh, i think that that's a terrible idea (laughs) (laughs) the the gist is everybody we're henry and i are pitching our bosses on a big long gravel adventure where we would podcast at the end of each day and talk about how it went and probably get real deep and probably get real goofy and probably talk about bikes maybe so you know your jobs are really demanding right now so i understand why you want to yeah do this i get it (laughs) okay moving on (laughs) 
PB user Tim Clayton. Uh, Brian, again, this one is for you. Uh, he says, it's always a great listen. He particularly liked Henry's insight into the business model of selling a bike. Uh, he says, in simple terms, it's about a frame to hang OE parts off and not about making the best frame and profit profiting enough from just that. Um, makes sense. That's why almost all brands moved from frame-only deals. Brian, what do you think about that? Make sense? Um, yeah, I mean, a ton of the profit of selling bikes from as from a brand standpoint is uh, on the margin you're able to get on the oe parts you hang off your bike but it's also the place where you're the least competitive because you don't control those oe parts and you know although you can get volume discounts so the bigger guys have a bigger advantage than the small brands it yeah as always it's it's geometry is free and suspension to some degree is free whereas the derailleur you hang off the bike isn't so uh, on the lower end yes there are bikes that we call we you know we say oh that's a parts hanger rather than that you know which means that somebody has built that bike with a spec sheet in mind where they know that that person is for example only interested in having an xt rear derailleur because that's what they look for and a i don't know uh uh 38 mil fork like a fork with 38 mil stanchions but they'll cut corners everywhere else it'll have a shit bb it won't have a good damper in there etc etc um and that's where you know somebody's like yeah that's a parts hanger um but generally it's it's the problem with um competing on on the parts is that it's uh it's difficult does that answer the question? Let me just look I at this question. So, yeah. Again. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, they're asking about why people have moved away from frame only, which I haven't necessarily seen. I've seen a lot more brands try and sell frames or, or say like frame plus like rolling chassis or that kind of thing, because parts have been hard to get. Um, that explains it's, it's that. Been, I was wondering why, like, yeah. like I would never like a frame fork, combo to me seems like a i don't know if i'm buying a frame i probably want a different fork i don't know yeah i think it's nice to well it's good for consumers to get a, a better deal on a on the fork that way mm -hmm. right yeah for um, sure. because they can't buy the fork at the same price that the manufacturer can um so i don't i'm not sure it's tim clayton you're you're suggesting that a lot of people moved away from the that model, and if that's true, I, I I'm not sure it totally is. But if people have moved away from frame only, it'll be a it'll be a financial decision. You're right that they're not making enough money from frames, or they'd have to charge too much from for their frames to make it viable. And just it's not the bulk of most people are buying a bike complete. It's that's what the market wants. Um, but I think I think we're we're talking to a very nerdy, very educated crowd, um, and that is capable of building their own bikes and capable of buying all the right parts that fit on their bike, etc. But we have to remember that that's not most of the market. But wouldn't you say, Brian, though, that I think what we talked about in the last podcast was the reason that frame onies were so expensive is because to offset the opportunity cost of not selling that. <laughs> with OE, OE parts hanging off it, to get the same, you know, markup or the same profit margin, you do have to make the frame 
more expensive still like mm. what i was just discussing is in terms of in my opinion at least in terms of the way the mechanisms of the bike industry work there's not that much incentive to sell a frame for manufacturer when they could sell you a complete bike right because you'd make more money i'm i am not entirely sure that it's the same thing because i i believe that they're pretty different customers i think you're right that there are brands doing that um i think that it might not necessarily be to offset the costs but i think it's more if you have a hundred frames and you you can choose to sell them as completes or choose to sell them as frames you will make more selling them as completes, so that's what you do but it's also based on the demand if the demand was there for frames they would sell more frames they would, they would make more frames available it it always just seems like everybody always talks about how they want well, we, i should say we see a lot of comments all the time where people talk about they want an aluminum frame with the best stuff on it and we never uh, see that can you explain why I, we don't see that uh i think that that's just poor decision making from a lot of brands um yeah. and uh, it, both the dealer and distributor level i think we see more direct consumer brands selling the aluminum frames but i, I agree it's super frustrating when when they're not they a brand might make like uh, a carbon version and an aluminum version of the bike and then they don't sell the aluminum version as a frame only that's so frustrating um are they are they maybe thinking that they're like forcing those people to spend more money to get the carbon bike then like you know what i, I mean think and the, then making more the money? thought process the thought process is probably that the bike is going to end up being more expensive to build from the ground up anyways so yeah. it's it's kind of a like if if you're the consumer you may as well spend the extra $400 on the carbon version cuz it's not that much cheaper in the whole build of materials like mm -hmm. it's yeah now is that correct i don't necessarily think so um, yeah but i think I, I think i imagine that's the the school of thought um i mean matt you you've been around you've worked at bike brands before how do you feel like is that is that how brands have sort of thought about those things? Well, I think, yeah, it comes down to the price point. I think if somebody's going to spend X amount of dollars on a fancy bike, why would they not bother spending the extra cash and get a lighter frame in the carbon form? Like what is, what is in the aluminum that's better than the carbon? I will say that I always enjoyed when brands um like you and i both used to work for rocky at different times um and so we always bring them up on the podcast sorry slash you're welcome rocky um but um but um they always did a good job and other brands too specialize does a good job of this and some others where you you can often buy the the cheaper aluminum frame with like grip 2 xt level stuff um and i think that that's those are really the bikes that we end up recommending a lot in in our various reviews. Um, like that's the price point we think often makes the most sense for the most people. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that there's lots of reasons to buy a carbon or an aluminum bike over a carbon bike. Personally, I don't know. What would those yeah, be then? I mean, uh, durability and um, so in some cases stiffness and 
um, in some cases, just not wanting the carbon thing. Is this your city e-bike you're talking about, Brian? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Matt, you rode a bunch of aluminum and steel bikes this year. You rode a bunch of bikes that weren't carbon, and you seem to enjoy them all. And I mean, this discussion is probably something for another podcast, but I mean, you like those bikes, regardless of material, and as long as it's good geo and good damper, right? Yep, you got it. No, there, there's definitely a difference between, yeah, the vibration feedback and stiffness. And of course, that all depends on parts you hang on the bike, like the wheels and stuff. But um, generally, the carbon bikes can be stiffer. That's a pretty broad statement. And there there are subtleties there for sure. Uh, but I don't think anybody's necessarily going to compare one carbon frame versus the same frame in an aluminum version buy both of them and then decide on another. Like they're just going to go with the bike because of all the other features that it has. And that's probably going to come down to the price. And so they pick out those features they're looking for and make their decision. Yeah. I think Somewhere so. in there was an answer for Tim Clayton. Sorry for going off <laughs> on a tangent, Tim. <laughs> Boil that down, Tim. There's an answer in there. <laughs> all right. Let's move on. Talk about predictions. Last podcast, we talked about resolutions, which it's always a tough one, isn't it, Henry? Resolutions. Mm. Yeah, I didn't do very well last year, but this year I'm fully embracing new year, new me. I feel as like a pretty cliched millennial. You have like the four, the four horses of kind of self, like that you kind of go into after some kind of crisis. That's drinking drugs, long bouts of cardio, therapy, and the fourth horse, which I'm barking on this year. It's CrossFit. It's horrible. I felt like my ears are filling up with blood. And there's just some, there's some like, they said like, oh, just pull up, do this pull up and hold your chin here. And I just said like, with a gun to my head, I couldn't do that. And they were like, Did you actually go to CrossFit? Yeah, no, I've been going, honestly, man, I can't, I've got like DOMS or whatever. I can't, I'm basically, I I can't like walk in any type of comfort. I can't sleep. (laughs) I can't move. And we're doing all these like barbells and stuff. And I just said to the lady, I said, I don't want to be funny, but is there a cupboard around the back that you have like the weights that you would give children? Because I can't do this. <laughs> like, have you got any that are just like filled with air or something? Cause this is horrific. Oh, uh, Henry, are you training for crotch watch 2023? Is that what you're up to? <laughs> Honestly, man, I don't know what I'm training for, but I do know that I think it's indicative that I need it because literally I, I plank for like seven seconds and I'm shaking like a shitting dog. You know what I mean? It's just like, I'm just like vibrating across the room. I've got a lot Where of work to do. Where do you get man. these sayings? Do you have like a, is there a list? Is there a list that every person from from England they like they yeah they just at give you the handbook. Five, they're given the they're the given handbook. handbook how to unsettle North Americans with weird phrases about dogs. Holy shit! But no, it's it's awful, Incredible. and I am so bad that it's actually quite inspiring. Like that because I can't be in like. It's got to get better. That's that's why I'm looking at like I can't be this bad yeah. forever. So I'm, I'm holding. You know what? To that. That's good. You can only improve when you start working yeah. out. You can only get better, right? Yeah, totally. You you can also get injured and then get worse. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> that's true. That is true. I'm Turns trying to out. give them positive reinforcement here. Yeah, I guess I guess I just I don't know. I'm just really going to work for that. You know, high five from the other the other CrossFitters and be like, yeah, woo, we did it. We crushed those. I don't know, it's, they're all called weird names, but I'm pretty sure I did a burpee yesterday and threw up afterwards. 
Well, I'm going to keep a watch on your Instagram stories because I'm oh, looking yeah. forward to when you start uploading yeah, all man. your vid- your looping videos of your muscle ups. Like the I'm going to do a, um, a jeggings review, jeggings field test. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's make some predictions. We got some stuff to talk about here. And the big one is the Enduro World Series, which is not called that anymore because it's a full-fledged UCI event alongside World Cup Downhill and Cross Country. And now it's called UCI Mountain Bike Enduro World Cup, or EDR for short. And there's a whole bunch of changes here. You know, they used to say, uh, like, Enduro's Enduro's the new this, Enduro's the new that. Do you think it's fair to say Enduro's going to be the new four-course and just... Well, well, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're going to get to predictions, Henry, and I certainly hope not because, I mean, the EWS was pretty fucking cool before, wasn't it? Oh, so, yeah. Henry, you are a race fan. Matt, you're a race fan too. What I want to talk to you guys about is, first, I want to keep it positive. What might the EDR do better than the EWS? What might we gain from this as fans and what might the racers gain? Positive, Matt. Hot potato, this over to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, well. I'm just going to jump in it just because I do have something that's negative to say. But okay. I maybe you can, guys can counter me because I hope it's really successful and I hope it's really good and I hope that it's broadcast in a way that makes it better and more commercially viable and gives riders more financial security. I hope all of these things. But has anyone ever actually ridden a bike in Lear Gang and you realise how awful it is? Or any number of World Cup venues. It's literally... It's a be, race, Henry. This dude, is not about yeah, how good dude, the trails what is it, are. A race around the car park? They're, the trails are awful. They, aren't, they don't exist. What are you going to do? It's, well, like, uh, it's just what you do when, when trails don't <laughs> exist. I would say that the EWS actually has a really good track record of fostering building in a yes, lot of the places they visited. Yeah. So if we're going to do a positive prediction yes. um, with the, the EWS <laughs> EDR following some of the more of the venues um i think trails there will will have to get better um like real mountain biking will have to get better um, yeah, remember, remember all those and years I will say about that, not being able to change the change the track and Leergang gang because of the the farmers refusing to let you have any access well that, that's just going to be sp- spectacular <laughs> <laughs> well i mean yeah i will say that i i've got quite a bit of time for chris ball and faith in his organization that you know, it's it changes scary, and they they for sure could. I'm, well, they will not get it right for sure. But I still i I think it's a we've got a good chance of making things better. I will say, EDR off the bat, not a great name. There, where, there's no D in this initialism. It doesn't make any sense to me. Or an R. There's no R okay. in the initialism. I'm not the only either. one what then. The good. <laughs> I what was too hell? nervous to ask what it means. No. <laughs> yeah, but it's enduro. Like it's just drop the N E D. Drop the U R. Drop the zero. But there must the be a legal reason so why it can't be EWS. Why? Why it can't be EWS or e- even like EWC, like Enduro World Cup, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Um, There's got to be a legal reason. Yeah, yeah. They can't drop but, all the vowels. So, yeah, yeah. vowel <laughs> dropping. I, here, here's my prediction: vowel dropping will be out of favor uh, in 2023. The the all of the brands that have like the Canyon Collective, which is collective. Vowel dropping, it's out. Something else will be in. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a prediction about this. I think it's gonna be. There's obviously gonna be some big question marks and things not go well, but I think that it is gonna go better than people think because the people behind it, it is Chris Ball. It's the ESO who used to run the EWS series, and I know it wasn't faultless, 
I mean, we had we had plenty of things to say, you know, of course, and and but that continuity that's got to help things. No, I, I really like Chris. I really trust his judgment. I, I agree on so many, yeah, so many things. I think the racing is probably going to be tighter. The racing is going to be better covered. I think it's going to be a better spectacle. But I think for people that are oh, like have a sort of more old school school view about what enduro is it's just going to be a bigger departure from that but i think in terms of a spectator i think it'll be better in almost every regard uh, i think one thing that people have lamented is its ability or it's it will be less accessible for as like quote-unquote normal riders as a participant sport and that was always the beauty of ews in the past i think that that might be a shame but i also wonder if it will open the door to the return of some more of the sort of old school uh, tribe sport group, um, Fred Glow style, um, original Enduros, blind racing, uh, Stone King Rally, some of those types of things, like yeah. stage racing, etc. I I think that it is a bummer that you can't, like people aren't going to be able to go race the Whistler EWS alongside Richie and Jesse. Like people love doing that and that makes it special and that's not going to be like that. I don't think. Um, but on the other hand, I think one of the big upsides to this is, I mean, Jesse and Richie and all these people that race, they want to race for rainbow jerseys and championship jerseys and series jerseys and make more money. And that's what the UCI could bring. Maybe. I don't know. More status. More status and maybe more structure, more format like a better format to this to the race itself like consistent format yeah like they that could that, be good or bad yeah yeah like maybe they have one sort of almost like crankwork style enduro race series on the day where they have multiple different tracks and each track sort of has like a, a theme to it like one tech one flow and then they're not racing the same track over and over like we saw a couple times this year yeah yeah I think the thing to do is once we know a little bit more about what the series is going to look like, we should probably talk to a bunch of the racers and, and see what they have to say and report back. My prediction yeah. is that we never get to that one. Yeah. <laughs> you do have a crystal ball, don't you? <laughs> um, Henry, what are we going to be missing out on? What is, what is the Enduro series missing out on by going to UCI status? Let's be negative. Um, I don't think necessarily think it's probably. I, it's been kind of in bed with UCI for a couple of years now, so it's probably going to be formalizing a lot of the same actions that them. I mean, the, the big thing a couple of years ago was the anti-doping thing coming on. I think in format wise, like I said, I think it's probably going to be more polished. It's going to be. It's, it's just what happens when sports get more professional. And listen, I think the EWS has been like, in, you know, rocketing through its ascendancy from going from yeah essentially a mass participation sport to something that is getting really really professional right um i don't know I, like I, said, I think genuinely i think the reality of the situation is is that whatever happens with you know discovery or eso whoever we're going to call them so much about professional mountain biking needs to change some of those things will be short-term pain but that's just how they've got to be and so for the good of mountain biking it's probably a very good thing i think um, that at least, I mean, I don't know if maybe they've got some big direction change coming, but I think at least coming with a kind of cohesive vision for all the mountain biking, it probably is a good thing. Like I said, I think the racing will probably be better. 
I think the riding will probably be worse for the riders, but that we didn't necessarily care that much. People were sprinting down a fire road in Cairns or South Africa, and people probably won't care that much now. Yeah. All right. I mean, we've got uh, the gravel bike world and- champs, so we've got the exciting thing. The rest of what happens in mountain biking is neither here nor there. Well, Henry, I was just going to tell you about EEDR. I don't know. Oh, no, that know is... Oh, good Lord. No, oh, can God. we Can we just not? No, yeah. let's just okay, not. Okay, we'll move on. No, we'll, can, move on. I, we'll move on. I, I have a question yeah. that I don't see in your notes here anywhere. I would like some people to put their, their predictions on for who men's and women's overall champs are. XC, DH, and... Yeah. EDR. Oh, I'm going to have to get used to that. EDR. I'll go first with that. Uh, Jesse for EDR. um, For men's. Jesse Uh, Mahmoud for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Listening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Men's XC. Nino. (laughs) This is just a list of Levy's favorite people in the sport with nothing to do with their performance. Uh, World Cup downhill. G. Atherton. I love it. What are you it. laughing for? <laughs> I think Rachel's going to come back. I think that's going to be freaking amazing. Um, for the ladies, um, do you think? I think ALN could could have an up year. This I would year. love like, to she, see ALN kill it. She's yeah. so talented. Uh, I'm really yeah. curious to see if she can come back um, and get back to the pointy end. Yeah, and I mean, exactly. Isabeau is Isabeau's probably the favorite again next year yeah or this year i guess but it's sorry and we're sorry we're talking about edr here we're jumping around a bit EDR. Um, matt what's your who i know it's going to take me a while to get used to edr edr i mean i can give you i can tell you the the winner of the edr it's the person with the biggest battery and next well that's the thing actually so i do just want to say there was a comment that brought this up under the article how are they going to police this battery motor thing ballast? Like, I don't understand how they're going to police this, but it, it will be interesting. I see some I'm, controversy. I mean, it's, I don't think, I think it's a lot easier to police whether your bike has more batteries on it than you're allowed to have. Like you just hook up a voltmeter and see how many of what hours are available versus, versus, seeing what somebody might have put in their body that they shouldn't have. Like, yeah, I, I genuinely yeah. don't... I think if you're checking... Checking bikes is a lot easier than checking bodies, if that's the thing. Um, and I like the ballast stuff because otherwise it just becomes this weird little, like, yeah, it's jockey been, thing. It's been undermined, right, in the last couple of years. You've been yeah. watching, yeah. knowing they have that power stage and then they have such big discrepancies. Um, yeah. that, I, th- I think it's a good thing. I, I, I do... I don't know. I, th- I, I think... You know, joking aside, we're kind of shitting on EEDR. I think it's it's probably a good thing to have. I would love to just see more like um, really techie climbs that people like just pedal kicking up yeah. on a mm-hmm. on some super powerful e bike. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I yeah. I just want to see them all struggle to go around a motocross track again, like that one race that <laughs> happened yeah. a few years ago. It was so bad. Uh, Matt, who do you think is going to win World Cup downhill next year, men's and women's? Uh, that's, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of good players out there right now. I would still bank on Omri and yeah. Camille men's and women's They're Yeah. Absolutely crushing it. They're, they're definitely at the top of the sport. Yeah. Yeah. 
Henry, what about yourself? I would go. I would go for the same. I think uh, Amory is just. I think when he's on, no one can come close. You know, I, I really do think he is similar. Maybe maybe the, the gaps aren't the same, but similar to you know Sam Hill or maybe not so much Sam Hill because I think Sam Hill he kind of interpreted the track in a different way. Where say Gwyn, who I'd say maybe Amory's similar, sim- more similar to, would just go faster kind of ride the same track but just fast like i'm not going to touch yeah, the brakes he just decided be stronger yeah. he just yeah <laughs> he just, just decides. be stronger be braver and i think amory's just got i know we talked about it before but you should just see the intensity he approaches his racing with the the shamanic style warm-up the shouting the shaking a lot like me and crossfit come to think of it but <laughs> he's he's really he's really quite amazing and I think that when he's on, he's, he's, he's just unbeatable. Similarly, Camille Balanche, again, you know, this is someone that compete, competed in Olympics in a different sport, took up mountain biking in her 20s and has gone all the way to the very top. She has got, I think, maybe in, in the women's field, like the most, maybe the most complete mindset, maybe. She seems to just thrive under the pressure. She broke her collarbone. She came back. She got close to winning worlds. I mean, just a just a formidable athlete yeah okay let's move on from racing talk about some upcoming gear we're going to move through this quickly because i don't think any of this is going to be a surprise because we've seen a lot of it coming first off that sram wireless drivetrain uh with a direct mount thing henry you made a really good point about this in the last podcast can you repeat that for everybody why you think this is coming up oh i think it's um i think that we're going to this I suppose I think like the, the term direct mount derailleur has been used in other <laughs> for other meanings, but it is this new style of direct mount derailleur. And I think that those little I think it's like a servo motor in those um, AXS access rear mech rear mechs are so strong. I think sometimes they can overpower a relatively weak and spindly um, uh, interface. I think what we're going to see with this stiffer, stronger um, attachment to the rear of the bike is basically you get a better shift because I've ridden this wireless system on some bikes and the shift has been absolutely fantastic. It's been so, it's been flawless. And then similarly, I've ridden on other bikes and it's just never, ever worked. It clicks, it cracks. It doesn't really want to stay in the gear. I also had it on road bikes. You know, it, sometimes they just, it feels like, yeah, there's almost a bit, potentially a bit too much power going through that motor. I think we're going to see also with the SRAM system, I think it's going to go to the same as we know that kind of flat top chain system. So yeah, I think it's probably going to have a lot of the elements of, of the road of the road group sets coming over, which will aesthetically give it a different look. It'll probably move away from, you know, cross compatibility between Shimano and SRAM further. Um, and for people that like to run the XT, AXS sort of mashup, it might disappoint them. But if it's an answer to the Hyperglide Plus system that Shimano are running, and we're getting even better shifts from SRAM where you can absolutely crank on the power that's that sounds like a good thing to me yep and full disclosure kaz is testing that stuff right now so uh because of an embargo and because he's not here he can't tell us about it uh but we haven't we haven't got to play with it yet but it it looks interesting henry one more thing uh sram related there's a new boxer you've seen it on the world cup apparently <laughs> yeah um can you tell me what little you know about it I know, I know what do i know about it? i mean it's, it's it's bigger i mean it's got some some of the exciting things like bigger fork legs and you know i assume it's going to an ifp coil damper as well it also 
big big waves of mountain biking it's got the bolt to attach a mudguard which is probably actually oh, the most important way. thing for a lot of us which is absolutely it's 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 absurd <laughs> hey you know Paradigm i got a bike with a fox 34 and i realized that because they have off the bleed holes bleed port things that's how the fox attach the mudguard but anyway apparently mountain bikers need to see where they're going and they sometimes ride in the mud who would have thought um so no more more options there i mean apparently i've heard rumors that it is very stiff which we spoke about last time um i think the, the the way that we talk about stiffness with our bikes can often be mischaracterized because there are so many places towards the front of the bike that could give you a really stiff sensation right but i have heard through the grapevine that those those black box riders have been talking about in some instances they're concerned that if anything it might be too stiff i feel I feel like reporting on things we know about isn't really predictions. Well, I feel like we're, we're cheating here. What I, w- I want to hear some more off the wall, proper. I've got things one, that we have no which reason I, which to I don't believe. know, but I've got yeah. a feeling. Okay, I think that when those new SRAM brakes, which we've kind of seen in the patent in the patent thing, I think when you take that clamp off them, they will be able to slither through a one point five head inch headset bearing which is why we're seeing all these frames now come with a 1.5 upper, where we're seeing wholesale going into through the headset cable routing without apparent alternative. Because, you know, when, 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 you, when you disconnect a Shimano brake, it's a bucket bleed. The SRAM, the SRAM brakes aren't quite so easy to do. And I think you'll be able to get the whole lever through a bearing. This is what I'm hoping. That would make a lot of sense and be really helpful. And it would explain why it's well, so close, because we... if you actually angle the reservoir in it basically just makes it more in line if, if you think about it on that plane, like parallel to the bar. That's that's going to mean that some brakes are only compatible with some bikes. That's saying. where I mean- my predictions go in, <laughs> is you're going to see entire bikes kitted from one brand. So whether that's a SRAM bike or a Fox Shimano combo, uh, it's going to be head to toe in those parts and they're not going to be cross compatible. We've kind of been moving towards all these standards for a long a long time now but i think uh i think things are going to switch in the opposite direction and get a little we've seen more integration on bikes so i think they're going to get a little more complicated especially as as electronics come into play like there's no way that those are going to be cross compatible between brands matt that is an awesome prediction i think the it's always been frustrating to me to see people complain about new standards uh, and standards at all because I've been thinking about what the alternative to standards is, which is not no standards, which is the wild west, which is motorcycles or cars or Mm -hmm. whatever. And, um, you can't, yeah, you're not dropping one manufacturer's thing into another. Nobody's playing nice. Um, and yeah, you'll be locked into our favorite word of 2022 the ecosystem. Yeah. Um, I mentioned that uh, in my proposal. Yeah, I think you did. Buzzword. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it seems like not that things have been stagnant, but there's been small jumps in the industry as a whole. And I think for brands to grow even faster, they have to segment away from those standards and do their own thing. And that's where they can really, yeah, build these entire bikes as as one system and that would work the best so they all kind of have their direction and they're heading separate ways i'll at least oh just that i i'll at least 
vouch for, I, I guarantee you we get a whole bunch of headset cable routed bikes this year. Mm. Oh yeah. That's yeah. No. Yeah. That's, that's happening but for sure. For whether people, we like it or not. For people that don't want to have a, you know, cables going to the headset, go brakeless BMX. That's the only solution in 2023. <laughs> brakeless mountain biking. It's coming. That's what Henry's predicting. No, nah. I mean, honestly, I, I do. I do agree. I mean, whether I think it's good or not, it's kind of by the by. It's going to burn a lot of fingers. Um, and that's that's a bit sad, really. You know, people, because we all, I think the great thing about mountain biking is we all do feel so involved in it. So it's comparatively a small community compared to a lot of sports. And it's going to suck. I mean, I think that even, you know, imagine if this big wholesale change comes from Sram or Shimano and people are buying buying expensive bikes at this very moment. And in a couple of months time, it could be, oh, and your brakes are completely different, like sort of standard or setup now. Oh, and your drivetrain. And, you know, I don't know, like I said, I think, I know I joke and trivialize it a lot, but it is a kind of a, a bizarre, bizarre set of affairs when um, it's, it's so easy to get intimidated about buying a new bike or so frustrated, you know. I will say that we should probably acknowledge that the last few years has been really nice and stable with bike stuff. Um, and I, I think I agree with sort of the prediction that we're all hovering around, which is that we're going to see a, a period of instability in the next little bit mm. in terms of, in terms of tech and, and things. We have a growing. I think a lot of the stability came mostly because brands were focused on doing e-bike stuff over here, you know? Um, have you ever... And now they're... Have you ever seen Rick and Morty when they have the first Gear Wars? Maybe this is how it starts. No. We've, we've seen some pretty interesting patents on the website lately, Brian. Some, some brake things, those slimline brakes that Henry was talking about, but also some crazy looking three pulley derailers from Shimano, a floating three piston disc brake from SRAM. How far out is that stuff and how realistic is it? Like if, if we see that now, I guess is my question. Is that like three years from now? Uh, some patent stuff is is a long ways out, and other stuff is is never. Yeah, <laughs> some stuff is never. That's true. Um, I I mean I think it's just like anytime we see a prototype, we can tell where it's at based on on the condition it's in. But on patent level, it's really hard to tell. Some there are like there are times where you need to file before at a certain point so sometimes the filing they will try and delay until they're legally not allowed to delay because they have to file for stuff with electronics or get certification Mm -hmm. or whatever else um or because they're worried about about a competitor filing something else but on the flip side um yeah you, you want your patents early but you want your patents late because you don't want anybody to know what you're doing. So it's uh, it's tough to tell. I do think that there's a couple of new bikes that happened this year that we've seen in prototype phases um, throughout the year in 22 that will probably be real this year. Yeah, I guess it's not Matt, much of a prediction because it's pretty, it's pretty yeah. obvious. <laughs> Matt, you wrote an article a couple of weeks back, I think, that had a whole bunch of bikes in it. What, what were those things? <laughs> Which, which article? <laughs> you had a you had a Rocky Mountain Slayer in there. We spotted somebody spotted that I think in a, a ferry lineup. It looks like a new Slayer with some snack storage. 
Oh, that was um, that was Kaz. Somebody oh, submitted oh. that to us. Oh. <laughs> yeah. My bad. Somebody somebody sent me a, a DM with those photos. There you go. <laughs> oh, I feel so bad for I feel so bad for who that athlete was that was on that bike. Yeah. <laughs> so silly. Yeah. Um, yeah, more integration for sure. That's that's happening on every bike. Or all the big brands at least. Um I'd also go back to the e-bikes and the electronics. There's going to be more integration on those and more lightweight ones, uh, particularly in the longer travel segment. I'm still waiting for my my uh, e-downhill bike, Henry. Oh, I want to pedal yeah. around uh, a Fox 40. <laughs> Yeah, how, I mean, I think I think there will be more downhill bikes. Whether they're e-bikes or not is another matter. Um, yeah, I think that's that's things that, that will happen. I think it felt a couple of years ago like will we ever get new downhill bikes again? And now, I mean, there's bound to be a new demo. You know, we've seen Finn, Finn, which actually interesting. I heard that bike was actually not a necessarily commissioned through the normal channels. I heard it was like a passion project by the design team, and they just wanted to do something <laughs> crazy and different. And they did, and apparently it works very well indeed. Going to that kind of lugged system, which, as speaking to Andreas Kolb and Charlie Hatton, you know, Mike were talking about, they can do those fine geometry tweaks that some races are demanding. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe there was, yeah, a couple of other new downhill bikes. I've kind of heard rumours about some. Um, and it's all going to be about adjustability, I think. It's going to be about adjustable rear end, adjustable front end, something like, not necessarily a flip chip, but something like a progression adjustment similar to you see on the Nukeproof Giga. Um, I think you're going to see, yeah, new downhill bikes. Giant have had that glory running around in plain sight. Same with GT. And actually speaking to some of these brands who do have these um, these downhill bikes seemingly production ready, they're actually saying that it's not a case of the bike isn't ready. It's a case of just the, the ramping up the production or, or getting them to the shops is, is the difficult bit. Yeah, that's something for you brian speaking of bikes i want you to make a prediction about bikes in 2023 are there going to be too many like i'm hearing now that there are a hell of a lot of bikes out there now whereas a year ago there were no bikes out there so what's going on i see in your podcast notes you have what historically would have been the dumbest question of all time but is actually not that dumb a question today and that's will bike prices go back down um That's, I mean, that's a real question when we hear about brands, uh, you know, canceling millions of bikes at the factory, um, and Taiwan parking lots being full of, you know, military tents set up to house extra inventory that hasn't, that, you know, manufacturers or distributors, et cetera, haven't been able to accept yet. Um, yeah, we've got, there's, there's too many bikes in the pipeline and uh yeah the i would predict that we will see bike prices drop this year um or there be there will be serious efforts to move units this year in ways that their bikes brands are gonna have to work very hard to sell their product over their competitors product this year um should people sell their used stuff now before it's worth less than six months i don't know run what you're wrong there's like keep going you know what's cheaper than a new bike is fixing up your the bike you have i don't know it's fine um my prediction for the brands themselves 
I th- I think that brands, the big brands, are going to stop focusing on growth and and focus again on profitability. So whether this recession or whatever we want to call it, um, I, you know, they'll they'll get leaner um, in the in the next year and a bit, but it will come at the cost of some talented people and some innovative ideas. So which we would see in 24, 25. Um, yeah. Am I crazy? What do you think? I want to ask you about the small brands too. I think you are right about big brands. I think mm-hmm. that I think it's going to be challenging might be mm-hmm. the right word. Um, but it might be an opportunity for some of these smaller brands as well. Mm-hmm. I think that the smaller brands are going to, many of the smaller brands will be well positioned to take advantage of larger brands stagnation um, and, and not focusing on growth so much as profitability anymore. The flip side though, is that I think small brands are going to struggle with their own oversupply and having to manage the unfavorable financing terms that they've had to accept over the past two years to get product at all. So, and they're having to be, be the bank for their dealers and stuff in ways that they didn't, you haven't had to be for a couple of years so brian i know nothing about finances um i know nothing about how the world works really how will this is gonna be good (laughs) (laughs) this is gonna be good like i'm still like i don't even have like a credit card i'm on basically like an apple gift card and a debit card that my mother loads with money every month that's that's how i live my life (laughs) (laughs) um are we going to see a change in maybe, do you think some brands could go under this year? Do you think that in terms of the media landscape, do you think that, you know, it's been a pretty turbulent time, you know, we, we've seen mm-hmm. brands come and go and things like that. How, how, do you, how do you think that's going to play out? Do you think that, you know, when, when we're talking about small brands, are we talking about, you know, one man and his dog kicking out 10 frames a year? Are you talking about frames like, no. I don't know, something like raw size, where they make some really good bikes, but maybe they don't do road and gravel oh. bikes. They just do. I, 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 should have said more like medium-sized brands i'm thinking of the the konas and Mm. the and the transitions that type of level versus the trek specialized giants yeah um the i think that the small brand the sorry the truly small micro brands garage makers you know between under 50 units a year type folks are they're going to be agile enough to scale up or down as needed um Mm. as long as they don't make unforced errors or, or, uh, get unrealistic. Um, I think it could be a hard time for, um, with all, all that's happening with racing and teams and change, you know, uh-huh. you, you might notice that in the UCI regulations for next year, not only is, you know, if you did want to enter in all the categories, it would cost you 20 grand entry fee. But interestingly enough, I see this next couple of years as a transition period. And I see that the points, Go only go to thirty now, which would make it harder to, unless you have a breakout result, to even get ranking inside the top sixty in 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 the same way. So I do wonder, you know, if we're going to see some teams change, maybe there'll be less, maybe UCI downhill become leaner in terms of the amount of teams, which could mm-hmm. potentially be a preface for what could happen in say twenty twenty five or something like that. Do you think that it's you know, obviously with if there is a recession, I I, I don't know, I man, I don't know if my 
do I, do I have if I have Apple money on an Apple gift card? Do I have Apple stocks? Is that is that what stocks are? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, the, yeah. Uh, going back to your original question, I I don't think we're going to see brands quote unquote go bust, but I do think some brands might change hands um, or take on investments or um, have to. Yeah, do do some things that they didn't want to do um, to to stay afloat the next little bit. I think the last few years have also shown investors and everybody just how profitable the industry can be and just how um, much potential there is. But it's also, yeah, it's it's not the same time as it was. I think it's a nice. It's as luxury products go. Mountain bikes are recession resistant in that the people that were going to buy boats and cars can, you know, they can slum it up by buying a $15,000 mountain bike. Um, like we're on that scale. The people that drop out the bottom come in from the top. Um, and, but I also think, yeah, it's going to be, there'll be pressure on people for sure. Oh, so I just want to offer a correction there. Looking at the UCI rules, I just remembered it's because there is the semi-final ranking thing now mm-hmm. which is why the points drop out at 30 um but yeah I, like you said yeah could, i think i think i'm oh, oh, sorry no no please just for your second your second question about uci racing i think that we will see i, I mean if you're a team manager of a team that can consistently get in and get exposure at the sort of where where it looks like the uci is going where yeah it's going to be harder to get proper you know to truly show up on the world stage which i'm personally okay with i know a lot of people aren't but i think being the pinnacle of the sport is fine for for it to be really freaking hard to get in um and really hard to show up and it to cost a lot of money to do it like i get it um i think in some ways it might help local racing and national racing if if world level racing is harder and less accessible i don't i mean that's maybe rose tinted glasses but I could see that. No, I was going to say the same think, thing, Brian. That yeah. happened a couple of years ago when they cut the uh, the final qualifications from 80 to 60. And mm-hmm. I saw a massive uptick in national level racing. We had racers that were previously vying for um, spots in a World Cup final, not traveling to those races anymore. And mm-hmm. it was really cool because it brought the national level back up. And that's something that maybe the edr series might do for the enduro uh, regional races as well so we could see an uptick in in local participation again i bet those local racers those local racers who were doing well in those races before those fast national guys came back were bummed though (laughs) well they'll just they'll just find a smaller local race a more regional race they don't do nationals anymore they just do provincials yeah yeah yeah. it's good i I think that if you are a top level racer uh, who can guarantee those results and put those results in, you can charge more money now. Um, and I think if you're a team, an experienced team manager who's got that track record of finding talent and fostering it, etc., I think that you are commanding more money. I, I've heard that some team manager uh, or team team owners have have definitely flexed a bit in the last six months as this is sort of unfolded and good for them. I mean, it's, it's a brutally difficult thing to exist at the top of the sport like that. 
Um, I've heard, I'm just going to put a rumor out there from the rumor mill that I heard that there's some stuff and maybe other people know more about this than me, but I, I heard a little story today about there's some, uh, drama with French racers and labor laws in France and that they might get classified as, uh, as different employees instead of, instead of as contractors and in terms of how they are, are approached as, uh, yeah, the way that they are classified as athletes might end up looking more the way that they are. Um, this is good. Uh, same sort of rules as applied to runway models. Um, and that that might have some implications for what they are allowed to be paid, um, which would be much more than it is today. So oh, interesting. That, that's something to keep an eye on. And I think, I think, yeah, I think that as downhill grows and changes, I think this next five years is going to be really interesting because, honestly, I don't want to sound all doom and gloom, but you go to World Cup and it becomes very apparent how how much needs to change and how unsupported and, you know, I mean, a good example would be, like, you finish the race at Snowshoe and, uh, like, in any other sport, there'd be some kind of van or truck chartered by the organiser that you book space on to take your bikes and all your equipment up to Mont Saint-Anne. But there isn't anything like that. And then everyone's already booked, obviously booked on the same flight. And then we all realise that we can't all fit our bikes on this flight. So then people are getting U-Hauls and everyone's just giving each other boxes of beer just to drive these bikes over the border. And it's just like, this is this is the elite level of our sport. And we can't, it's hard just to get from one race to another. I mean, it's just so much needs to change in elite level downhill. It's it's genuinely quite staggering, and I think that whether it's classifying people as runway models or not, like something there's, there's hopefully going to be an uptick in what people are paid, how people are supported, how much money's in the sport, but also you know having this discovery ESO set up, who are actually like you know Chris and is super experienced, and he's he's got a good track record of actually really kind of doing things with the sports sort of long-term viability viability mm-hmm. in hand and i think that actually it could be a, an uncomfortable couple of years but imagine if in five six seven years time we're looking back at healthier national series you know like bruni putting his eyebrows to good use on some of the biggest catwalks in milan and also you know better organized events <laughs> i can't perfect. do this anymore i can't do this <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we need to we need to do like an entire soundbite podcast oh my god <laughs> do you think her eyebrows equate to a better downhill racer sam mills ordering I mean, yes <laughs> yeah true no that's <laughs> right? this is this is the journalism we need to be doing eyebrow thickness to all out like best world cup result i expect i expect oh. a like well done series of charts early next week henry <laughs> Mate, I'll, make crotch I'll do that 3, yeah i'll do that if we could do the crotch watch i'll watch the crotches and i'll watch the eyebrows <laughs> oh all right okay uh, we're 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 ticking on over an hour here of poor predictions so i want to wrap this up but i want to wrap it up in a bit different way because i want us to make some predictions about ourselves and about each other uh, Brian, I want to start with you. I want you to make a prediction about Henry for 2023. <laughs> Henry, Henry has a life-changing bout of hemorrhoids as a result of doing the quad <laughs> <laughs> 
Henry doesn't sit down for the month of June. (laughs) I predict that Henry Quinney will... He will last until mid-February with CrossFit. (laughs) I believe that between now and mid-February, he will also become a vegan Mm. um, because it's a gateway drug. And I think, I think he'll stick out the whole winter in living in the van slash office for some reason. But I think that after crotch watch 3000, he will probably, I think I would, I'd say he's going to move twice this year. Maybe not. Ooh. I think like that's a only twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Conservative. I think you, I think you're maturing and as you mature, you're going to move less times in the year. Yeah, that, I still think nice. it's got to be once a year. Like I think that it, you'll bottom out at once a year, but yeah. twice this year. The thing is that when you know it's easy to look back at your life and you know on paper, <laughs> so many things. Like if you so if, if you if you sometimes in aspects of my life, and you'd basically said, um. Yeah, characterize these events or these decisions. You'd be like, that was an episode. You know what I mean? That was something. Mm-hmm. But sadly, it's just how I've been living my life for this last little while. But yeah, I yep. think uh, mm-hmm. I think you're pretty much on the money. Veganism, maybe. I think I'm probably more inclined to go all the other way and be like, I only eat bacon, <laughs> uncooked bacon. <laughs> Brian, that was pretty good. Do me, do me. Uh... Levy's not going to go on Crotch Watch 3000. Oh, I don't like this. Um, oh, no. And, by, and he's going to spend the next six months <laughs> secretly driving down to Richmond to put in laps at go-karting so that he can finally beat me. I will smash you once it gets warmer in there. Just give it a couple months. It's gotta, <laughs> gotta, track what? temp's got to go up. Why does that help? <laughs> oh, more grip. I'm going to go faster. But... Won't that help me more being heavier? I'll have no, more you have drive. more grip right now because you're heavier. Uh, I'm, Just let but me I have think, it. Uh, okay. Okay. I'm well, pretty I mean, disappointed that you have beat me, so don't worry. I'm going to fuck you up. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Just wear a wig. Yeah, he's going to spend. He's going to spend so much money go karting <laughs> late at night trying to get better. Yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah. Okay, and now you got to do Matt. Hmm. What's Matt going to do? Um, I was going to predict Brian. I was going to predict Brian 2023. Okay, do do that. So he's going to take his garage building to a new level. It's going to go from Mm -hmm. just cutting things on fancy little machines to building new chemicals or something. He's going to create some kind of Mm -hmm. crazy coffee or... Mm. Get maybe get into wine, something like really extravagant that he's gonna homebrew. Okay, I yeah, like it. There's a little layer yeah, out I there. Like I uh, did. He's gonna buy, did buy a new new 3D printer yesterday. Okay, there you go. <laughs> I was gonna say that. <laughs> There's gonna be a new cargo bike of some sort, maybe mm-hmm. different wheel sizes, probably an e-bike. I mean, you're cheating because you know that that's true. No. <laughs> This is a prediction. It, it's in my garage. It's just waiting for a battery. 
<laughs> it's literally there. We know each other too well. Yeah. And yeah, what else? He's gonna he's gonna take over the mountain bike internet community by storm. There you Are, go. Isn't that already where we're at? <laughs> to a larger scale. I don't know. Yeah, okay. Sounds good. Ryan, you gotta do Matt now. Uh, Matt's gonna continue to be correct in his predictions. Um Matt might I think Matt might have a comeback race or two this year. I'm gonna predict that. I think I think he might get the itch a little bit and uh yeah, put some time into people. Maybe later in the year. Um but I could see it. How okay. old are you now, Matt? Are you officially a masters yet? Uh yeah. Yep. Okay. I could see um, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm still I'm still uh trying to get in for one of the World Cups. We'll see if we can get there. Maybe an EWS. I think I need points. EDR. He's gonna do an electric EDR race. DDR, Dance Dance Revolution. I'm in. All right, everybody. That is it. Let's get out of here. Let us know what your predictions are for 2023, for racing, for bikes, for gear. What do you think is going to happen in the coming 12 months? Make sure to share the podcast. We'll see you next time. Can around. you get in the comments and hashtag QuatWatch3000? We need to get, get this also, going. Also that, hashtag CrotchWatch3000, everybody. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs>